Well, it's been another wild week across America, hasn't it? Last Saturday, some protesters in Washington, D.C. painted defund the police across one of the streets just a few blocks from the White House. A few days later, last Tuesday in Seattle, thousands of protesters went to the downtown area and took over several city blocks. They ended up rushing into City Hall and demanding that the mayor resign if she did not agree to defund the police. Uh, Meanwhile, over in Minneapolis, where George Floyd had been murdered just about three weeks ago, uh, nine of the 13 city council members publicly supported an effort to defund and dismantle the Minneapolis PD. And closer to home at the Atlanta Ice Detention Center, many of you heard that last Sunday uh, there was a protest in front of the ice facility, and uh, that protest turned a little rowdy. A number of people started tagging the building and the sign out front with graffiti. Uh, We know that there were others that started throwing rocks. One rock hit one of those uh, prison employees. And uh, something like 30 different vehicles there in the parking lot had their windows knocked out and even tires slashed. So we've had a really crazy week. Lots has been going on. And so across the nation, we've heard a, a rising call for police departments and detention centers to be reformed. But it's been a call for much more than reform, hasn't it? Uh, Many have not just simply said reform the police. Many have said defund and dismantle the police. Uh, Many citizens and even many Democratic Party leaders are calling for police departments to be defunded and dismantled. When I first heard uh, this call about a week ago or so for these uh, different police departments to be defunded and dismantled, I thought it was one of the dumbest things I'd ever heard. I thought, these people are nuts. But it was just last week that I stood before you and said, we need to, as Christians, pay attention and live out James 1.19. Remember James 1.19? My dear brothers, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And so I thought, well, I gave you this advice. I had better well take it myself. And so I decided this last week to do a little research. I wanted to understand what people are really asking for uh, when they're asking for the police departments in various cities to be defunded or dismantled entirely. And so I did some research, and I tried to listen, I tried to pay attention, and I tried to learn. And over the next few minutes, I want to share with you what I learned in my studies. I'm going to share with you some information I think will be helpful for you as you try to wrap your mind around what our fellow Americans are really asking for when they're calling for the defunding or dismantling of the police departments. And more importantly, we're going to open God's word together and we're going to see what God has to say about police departments, what God has to say about law enforcement in a civilized society like ours. So today's message I'm calling Dismantle the Police. Make sure you have your Bibles handy. I'm going to have you turn to two passages that we'll look at in a few minutes. First of all, I want, to, want you to turn to Romans chapter 13 and secondly to 1 Peter chapter 2. Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2. Both of those are in the New Testament, so that's your last quarter of the Bible. Turn to Romans 13 and 1 Peter chapter 2. 
Now, I would guess that many of you, like me, were pretty confused this past week uh, when you read these protest signs that said defund the police or dismantle or abolish uh, the police. Over the past several weeks uh, since George Floyd was murdered there in the streets of Minneapolis, uh, there have been a lot of different protest signs that we've read uh, in our newspaper articles or seen on the news. Uh, certain protesters have put on their signs uh, things like this. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, that I understand. I understand the cry to value those who are African American in our society, in our country. That, that sign makes sense to me. Uh, others have put on their signs, a justice for George Floyd. I understand that as well. We do want justice to be carried out on those four police officers who were involved. Others have put on their signs, no peace, or they put this actually, no justice, uh, no peace. I understand that as well. But I can't quite wrap my mind around what the protesters are asking for when they say to defund or dismantle or abolish the police. So I'm guessing many of you, like me, have had a hard time wrapping your mind around what they're really asking for. So I want to share with you what I learned in my research. I discovered that the protesters are really not all asking for the same thing. There are basically four uh, different camps that the protesters asking for some sort of change to the police department, about four different camps that they tend to fall into, uh, ranging from making modest changes to the police departments to completely doing away with and scrapping the police departments. And so there's these four different options that people have, and depending on what protester you speak to, chances are they fall into one of these four options. Let me go through those pretty quickly because I think this is important uh, for us to be able to know before we dive into God's Word to see what He has to say about uh, police departments in America. So number one, our first option is reform. The first option is reform. In past years, uh, when there has been some form of uh, uh, public outcry because of police brutality, uh, typically uh, protesters have called for reform in police departments. Uh, typically, those reforms involve uh, in, uh, increasing uh, funding for community policing. Community policing basically is when you have certain officers assigned to certain neighborhoods so they get to know the people better. Uh, typically, the reforms have also included uh, placing limits on uh, policemen's use of force and also increasing accountability uh, within departments. And so that's been the common cry uh, over the decades uh, in response to uh, police violence. Uh, but we haven't heard as much of that in the last few weeks. Uh, more and more people are going with option number two, which is defund the police. Now, this is a more progressive option that many protesters are calling for. Uh, most are not calling for a complete defunding of police departments. They believe that law uh, enforcement budgets across the nation are too bloated. So they're calling for police budgets to be drastically cut and then use the money from the funds that were cut from the police department to help fund uh, community programs like uh, public housing and health and mental care. This is what Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti has been advocating over the past few days. 
uh, he's advocating that $150 million be slashed from the LAPD and that $150 million redirected to other community programs. And so many are calling for a defunding of the police, but once again, most are not asking for a complete defunding. Option number three is a little bit more drastic than the defunding option, and this is the dismantle option. So in 2012, I learned that in Camden, New Jersey, uh, the police department was dismantled. They basically scrapped it and kind of rebuilt it from scratch. And so some of these police uh, areas, these municipalities, uh, the people that are protesting in those areas, are calling for things to be done in their city uh, like were done in Camden, New Jersey. And so the most prominent of these, of course, was in Minneapolis, where George Floyd uh, was killed a few weeks ago. Uh, nine of the 13 city council members in Minneapolis uh, this past week came out and said that they are wanting to completely dismantle uh, the Minneapolis Police Department. These council members have stated that they will ask the community over the next year to help them rebuild their broken system from the ground up. And so that's option three. So option one, once, once again, is to reform. Option two is to, uh, is to defund. Option three is to dismantle. And finally, there's a fourth option that hasn't gained quite as much traction in our nation, and that is abolish. Abolish police departments. This is the most drastic of the four options. And so this is not just simply cutting the funding to the police departments. It's not just dismantling and and keeping the foundation but rebuilding it. This is a complete uh, doing away with uh, police departments in certain cities, states, and possibly even across the nation. So those who support this fourth viewpoint of abolishing the police department uh, believe uh, that we should support a long-term plan to eliminate police departments altogether. Uh, they believe that if people have access to affordable health care and affordable housing and good jobs and education, there will be much less crime and therefore much less of a need for police in our society. Well, there you have it. I've tried to present those as objectively as I know how. Four options that protesters uh, are, are falling into uh, different camps regarding. And so number one, remember, was uh, to uh, just reform the police department. Number two uh, was to defund. Number three was to, uh, to uh, uh, dismantle. And number four was to abolish. So over the next few minutes... Uh, what I'd like to do is have us turn to God's word together and we're going to see what God thinks about those middle two in particular. What does God think about defunding and dismantling the police? God's word doesn't come right out and say, thou shalt not defund and dismantle the police. But what God's word does do is teach us about the purpose and intention of human government and how law enforcement plays into that role, and how we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ should respond to law enforcement in our nation today. And so I need to know what God's word says on this matter, because it's so important in our nation today. And you need to know this as well. So I asked you to turn to two passages a few moments ago, uh, Romans chapter 13 and 1 Peter chapter 
2. And so I want to have us look at the first passage, Romans chapter 13. This is one of the best known passages in the New Testament about uh, governing authorities and how we should interact with them as believers and followers of Christ. So Romans 13, starting in verse 1, it says this, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authority that exists have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good, but if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Now I'd like you to turn over to that second passage, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll start in verse 13. It says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. And then two more quick passages. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. And then finally, Titus 3, verses 1 and 2, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. Now, these verses reveal God's view of government and how he wants you and me to deal with it. Uh, For the sake of time, I'll I'll just highlight three main points that are made in these passages about human government. Number one, this is the first truth that's revealed in these passages we just read together. Truth number one, human government has been established by God. Would you say that with me? Human government has been established by God. By God. Paul makes this point twice in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Remember, he says there in verse 1, For there is no authority except that which God has established. And then he says, All authorities that exist have been established by God. So God formed earthly government way back in Genesis chapter 9. So what on earth was going on in Genesis Genesis chapter 9? Well, the flood had just finished. And so Noah and his family came off of the ark 
After all mankind, aside from Noah's family, had been wiped out because of sin across the face of the earth, Noah comes off the earth, off the ark, I should say, he didn't come off the earth, and God made it clear that that was a time to give clear laws, the early formation of human government and human criminal justice. And so you could say that there in Genesis 9, the first human government was formed, the first criminal justice uh, system was formed, as God wanted to make sure there were clear laws in place and ways of enforcing those laws, so what had happened to the earth through that flood would never have to happen again. So truth number one is human government has been established uh, by God. There are many different forms of government in our world today. Many countries like the United States have a democratic republic. Other governments have uh, socialism or or a dictatorship or communism. Uh, some of these forms of government are much better and uh, much uh, less prone to corruption than others. But regardless of the type of government it is, the truth still remains the truth. Earthly government was established by God. Now, truth number two. God has given government the authority to punish lawbreakers. Okay, say that with me. God has given government the authority to punish lawbreakers. Uh, Look again at what it says there in Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. Look at those verses again. He says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Notice how it says two different times that the the government authorities are God's servant. It's really important for us to know that government authorities are God's servant. Servants, even in the case when government authorities aren't saved, even if an atheist is a leader, uh, uh, regardless of whether or not they follow Christ, God has established uh, government authorities uh, to be his agents on earth to maintain some semblance of law and order. And so they truly are God's servant, whether they like it or not. And so honestly, some of us have a hard time believing this about leaders, especially ones that are corrupt and, and don't even come close to following Christ. Uh, some of us have family members and friends uh, who absolutely hate government. Some of us have family and friends who absolutely hate all police officers. And so we have to understand that many of us have been exposed to this hate toward the criminal justice system for many years. People that we love, people that we care about, people that we respect have told us that the entire uh, law enforcement system is corrupt. And so that's affected us probably more than some of us have realized. Uh, Some of our family members and friends have convinced us that cops are the enemy, uh, that they're a bunch of pigs who are uh, are out to get us uh, every time they hit the streets. But I'd like you to repeat after me. And this may be hard for some of you, but I'd like you to repeat this after me. Police officers are God's servants to do us good. Let me personalize it for you. Police officers are God's servants to do me good. Can you say that with me? Police officers are God's servants to do me good. Now, if you had a hard time saying that, or you're listening to me say that, and you're folding your arms like this and saying, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. 
then I would suggest to you that that's an indication that God needs to do some work in you regarding submitting to authority. The truth is, those that are in positions of government are carrying out a God-given role to be servants of God, to carry out law and order here on earth. If we struggle to wrap our minds around that truth, that a police officer is a servant of God to do us good, then that shows us more about ourselves than maybe we've realized. All of us need to allow God's pure word to transform our thinking about others uh, who are leading us in positions of authority. Uh, Some of us uh, need to get over our issues uh, with our president, with our governor, with other local leaders. Can you bring yourself to say, President Trump is a servant of God to do me good? Some of you would say, "Uh uh-uh, I can't say that. Well, maybe God needs to work with you on that. Others of you that say, yeah, I like Trump. Can you say this? Governor Newsom is God's servant to do me good. Some of us have trouble saying that. Others of us, Nancy Pelosi is God's servant to do me good. Chances are that every single one of us struggle with saying one of those statements with one of those names inserted. Those that like Nancy Pelosi usually can't stand President Trump. Those that love President Trump usually can't stand Governor Newsom. And so there's usually some politician, some leader, and some position of authority that we have some real issues with. And God has called us, even if we have trouble respecting the person, to respect the position and give them the respect they're deserved. Which leads us to the third truth. The third truth is God expects us to respect and honor our leaders by paying taxes and humbly submitting to their authority. Did you catch that? God expects us to respect and honor our leaders by paying taxes and humbly submitting to their authority. Now, it says in Romans 13, 6 and 7, look at those verses again. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. One of the reasons why some of us have had bad experiences with law enforcement is because we haven't been doing what God has called us to do all along. We haven't given unto Caesar what is Caesar's. We haven't respected or obeyed the speed limit. And so we get pulled over. Why did they pull me over? Well, they pulled you over because you weren't respecting the law. And so when you get pulled over, the, the, the police officer does what he has been hired to do, to enforce the law, to uphold the law. Some of us have had run-ins with police officers once we uh, were pulled over because we've copped an attitude with that police officer. We haven't shown him the respect or the honor that God says that we should give him. And so if you get pulled over, let me give you just a few tips here. If you get pulled over, you need to take out your wallet and you need to place it on the dash in front of you. No fiddling in your pocket for your wallet once the police officer is already standing at your window asking for your ID. You know he's going to ask for it, so take out your wallet before he gets to your window, put it on the dash so you don't have to reach for things in pockets or in glove compartments or somewhere where he can't see what your hand's doing. Put your wallet on the dash. Then make sure your hands are both on the wheels so he sees your hands and knows you're not up to something. And then third, make sure that you don't make any sudden movements when he's standing beside your window. 
Show him respect. Show him honor. If the police officer asks you to pull over further to the side, pull over further to the side. If he asks you to turn your engine off, turn your engine off. If he asks you to step out and go and sit on the curb beside the road, then get out and go and sit on the curb beside the road. We show respect. We show honor. We show deference to the authority of that officer of the law. And I guarantee you, if you're doing these things, you're going to be treated well by most of those in law enforcement. But when it comes down to it, when I talk about submitting to the authority of a police officer, herein lies one of the big problems. We as Americans are human beings. And human beings, by and large, have a real issue with submitting to authority, regardless of whose authority it is. We have trouble submitting to authority. You know what I discovered this last week? I knew that the word submit and the word submission are used a fair amount in the New Testament, but I didn't realize how much they're used. The words submit and submission are used 36 times in the New Testament. 36 times. Do you think God might be trying to tell us something? God is telling us that submission is a very important part, an instrumental part, of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we're told to submit to God in 1 Peter 3.22 and Hebrews 12.9 and in James 4.7. That doesn't surprise us. We know that as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to submit to God, right? But there are a lot of other individuals we're told to submit to as well. Wives are instructed to submit to their husbands in Ephesians 5.22 and in 1 Peter 3.1. Most wives don't like those verses very much. Most wives say, uh-uh, I don't want to submit to my husband. Well, that's not all the Bible says. Younger Christians are commanded to submit to older Christians. We find that in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, and most younger Christians aren't very excited about submitting to older Christians. We're told to submit to one another in Ephesians 5.21, but sometimes I don't feel like submitting to you, and you probably don't feel sometimes like submitting to me. But that's what we're told in Ephesians 5.21, to submit to each other. Employees are told to submit to employers in 1 Peter 2.13. That's not easy, is it? All of us probably have had bad bosses, lousy bosses in the past. We don't want to submit to that lousy boss, but we're told to submit to our bosses there in uh, 1 Peter 2.13. And so we already looked at these other passages, Romans 13.1, Romans 13.5, Hebrews 13.7, and 1 Peter 2.13, that all tell us to submit to the governing authorities. One of the reasons that people struggle to submit to law enforcement Uh, as their authority is because people struggle to submit to any authority, including God's, including God's. Parents, as kind of a side note, it's so important to teach your kids at a young age to learn to submit to authority. And chances are, parents, if your children do not learn at a young age to submit to your authority, chances are when they become teenagers, they're going to have a problem submitting to the authority of their teacher at school. And when they become adults, chances are they'll have problems submitting to the authority of their governing leaders, including law enforcement. And so it's so important to teach submission to authority at a young age. So there are the three truths from God's word. Number one, human government has been established by God. Number two, God has given government the authority to punish lawbreakers. Number three, God expects us to respect and honor our leaders by paying taxes and humbly submitting to their authority. But why do we even need law enforcement? Can't we just police ourselves? 
It's a good question. Can't we just police ourselves? And God's word answers back, fat chance. <laughs> Can't we just police ourselves? God's word says, no, you can't. Because we are an unruly, lawless people. We live in a sinful, fallen world. No, we can't just police ourselves. There's a reason that God created government and law enforcement after the flood and didn't create government and law enforcement in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. In Genesis chapter 2, God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and there was no need for government in the Garden of Eden. There was no need for law enforcement in the Garden of Eden. Why? Because there was no sin. There was no lawlessness. But God saw after the flood that the need had arisen for there to be human government and human law enforcement to carry out law and order in a world that would tend to move further and further into lawlessness if there wasn't government and law enforcement there to curb people's sin and lawlessness. Guess what? The Bible tells us that one day God will scrap this fallen, sin-cursed world, and create a new heaven and a new earth. And we read about that in the final two chapters of the Bible, in Revelations chapter 21 and 22. And as we read about that new heaven and new earth, it's pretty clear. When we have the new heaven and the new earth, there's not going to be a need for human government or law enforcement anymore. Because those who are there have chosen to follow Christ. Those who are there have chosen to obey God's laws. And so there won't be a need for law enforcement because there'll be no more law breaking. And so we ask uh, ourselves, well, what is God's view on law enforcement? It really depends on what period of time you're talking about. If we look at a, a big picture view of history and biblical views in regard to law enforcement and government, we see that in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, there was no law enforcement because there was no sin. We see that in the end, in heaven, there will be no more law enforcement because there will be no more sin. But in the meantime, between the fall of man in Genesis 3 and the coming of Jesus to set up his kingdom in the latter chapters of Revelation, between those times, the time we're living in right now, human government and law enforcement is absolutely necessary in order to maintain law and order. Well, some may ask, what about the corruption in government? And what about the racist cops who abuse their authority? Well, the Bible is very clear that you and I as his followers are to stand up and defend those who are poor and abused and discriminated against. Because we are all part of the same family, as we saw last, last week, there's only one race, and that's the human race. Because we're all part of one race, because we're all part of one family, it's imperative for Christians to stand up for those who are disenfranchised, those who are poor, those who are being discriminated against. I believe that Christians' efforts to reform government and police departments in a peaceful and respectful way are admirable and necessary. But I also believe that calls to defund and dismantle police departments are short-sighted and foolish. When I first heard this viewpoint about defunding and dismantling the police, as I mentioned to you earlier, I thought this was nuts. I thought this was crazy. So I listened to the viewpoints of those who were espousing this, espousing those viewpoints to defund and dismantle the police department. And the conclusion I've come to after listening and, and researching 
I've come to the same conclusion that I still think it's nuts. I still think it's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because it completely flies in the face of what God has said needs to happen in the world in this day and age until Jesus Christ comes and sets up his perfect kingdom. Because we live in a fallen world, because we live in a world where people will tend to go more and more toward lawlessness, absolutely we need law enforcement. And so what the media has been doing in recent weeks is shining a spotlight on every bad cop they could find. And personally, I think that's wonderful. If the media is out there shining a spotlight on every bad cop, that's wonderful. Let's get all those bad cops out of there and make our system even better. We want a criminal justice system that becomes better and better, not one that lapses into lawlessness. And so if they help root out every bad cop, I think that's fantastic. But what the media has not done as well is shine the spotlight on the tens of thousands of good cops out there who were honorably upholding the law and carrying out the law. Those tens of thousands of cops in the street of America who are rushing into the most dangerous situations to save you and me. We've got thousands of cops across America, the vast majority of the police forces across America, who when there is a call because of domestic abuse, they will run into that situation to help that person who is being abused. When there is gang activity and the gangs are peddling hard drugs to our kids and our teenagers, the law enforcement officers of this country will rush in to help save those kids from those drug dealers pushing those drugs on them. Uh, We have law enforcement officers across this nation. Uh, When there are active shooters on a school campus uh, or in a government building or in a nightclub, uh, when we are running away from the danger, they run into the danger. Praise God for those cops across America who protect us, who uphold the law, and carry out their duty honorably. That's most cops. I came across a a quote this last week from Rania Moncarius. I'd never heard of her, but she's the CEO of a Texas-based nonprofit called Crime Stoppers of Houston. And I want you to listen to what she said. She said, We shouldn't be taking a sledgehammer to deal with an extremely complex issue. For the sake of... Of sound uh, bite, for the sake of sound bites and a news cycle, we are eradicating a system that is not perfect, that needs to be fixed, but should absolutely have the bones to be worked with. We are disrespecting the thousands of officers who serve with their heart and mind, with no regard for race and creed or color, and we're disrespecting the thousands of officers who have given their lives in exchange for others, and through it all, we're not offering real solutions. Well said. Very well said. Many Americans are very well-meaning with their calls to to, to defund and and dismantle the police, but it's a knee-jerk reaction. We're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We don't advocate for the dismantling of the education system when we find a few bad teachers, do we? We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We deal with those bad teachers and make the system even better. Uh, We don't uh, decide that we're going to scrap Washington, D.C. in in entirety because uh, we have a few bad presidents. Uh, We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We don't decide that we're going to dismantle a Target or Walmart or Costco because they have a few corrupt employees. We deal with the corrupt employees. We root them out to make those businesses hopefully even better. And so similarly, 
we should not dismantle and destroy and do away with police departments because there's a few bad apples in the bunch. We do our best to identify those bad apples and root them out. I think that's what God would have us do. Many Americans are well-meaning in their calls to defund and dismantle the police, but I don't think we can defend that with God's word. If you're serious about drastically reducing lawlessness in our nation, if we are serious about drastically reducing lawlessness, there's only one foolproof solution, and his name is Jesus Christ. The best way that we can root out sin in cops, in protesters, in politicians, in teachers, in pastors, in everyone else, is to get people saved. That's the answer. If we want to root out lawlessness and sin, we've got to get people saved. The church of Jesus Christ truly is the tip of the spear when it comes to community transformation. The church truly is the tip of the spear when it comes to rooting out corruption and lawlessness in our nation. Because we are all about introducing people to the only one who can truly root out all sin and lawlessness, and that is Jesus Christ. So, church, as our neighbors call for reform, we as Christ followers need to call for something much greater and lasting. We call for salvation. We know that Jesus is the answer. Won't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for being the awesome God that you are. Lord, everything that we yearn for, justice can be found in you. Hope can be found in you. True peace, lasting peace can be found in you. An end to corruption can be found in you. An end to lawlessness can be found in you. Perfect harmony can be found in you. Lord, I thank you so much for what you have done, creating this perfect world. And we are sorry that we screwed it up, Lord, with our sin and lawlessness. And Lord, we know that government and and law enforcement is a necessity in this day and age, Lord, because we live among a people of unclean lips and unclean actions. And we ourselves, Lord, are more corrupt than we've realized. Lord, thank you for the authorities you've provided. Father, our government is far from perfect. Our law enforcement system is far from perfect. But it's a lot better than many across the world, Lord. And so I pray that you would help us stand for those, Lord, who are discriminated against. Help us to stand for those, Lord, who can't stand for themselves. Help us, Lord, to stand uh, with the efforts to root out the bad apples and make this system even better. But, Lord, I just pray for peace in our nation. And I pray, O God, for healing in our nation. Peace and healing we know can only come through you. So, Lord, I pray for revival, that you would bring our nation back to Jesus Christ. And I pray right now for anyone watching this broadcast that has never made that decision to relinquish authority of their life over to you. They've never made that decision, Lord, to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ, that they would do so right now, that they would come to you humbly and admit that they are sinners and ask you to come into their lives. 
I pray that they would come and say, Lord, I believe in you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins so I could be made right with my holy God. And Lord, I pray that they would say, Lord, today I choose to follow you as my Savior and as the Lord of my life. Lord, give us a heart of submission to your authority and to the other authorities you placed in in front of us, Lord. And when those times come, when we are asked to do things by human authorities that go against your word, give us the courage to stand by your word and for your word. Lord, but I pray that we would submit to the authorities here on earth in as far as in as much as they ask us to do things that are perfectly supported with scripture. Father, help us to be good citizens. Help us to stand up for the oppressed, standing for justice standing for compassion, and standing for law and order. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Certainly there was something in this message that uh, you wrestled with today, and I encourage you to continue to wrestle with it. I encourage you to go back to the scriptures I've shared with you in Romans 13 and in 1 Peter chapter 2, and take a look at those because we just scratched the surface today. But I've tried to the best of my ability to share with you what I believe God's word says about law enforcement, about government, and our role as believers and followers in Jesus Christ within a civilized society like ours. There's no easy answers, but I know that Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer. And so the best thing we can do is point people to him. Once you do that, I encourage you to share this message with others, share this broadcast with others, and uh, others I think will be blessed by what they hear. God bless you, church. It's been an awesome blessing to have you join us for online service. May God be with you in all that you do. Please reach out to us if we can pray with you or be of help to you in any way. Have a great day.